My guest in the A-Game podcast is Darren Mass. He is the CEO of Connects, which we have had Christian Chuli, the uh, founder on. It's a great company. Definitely check them out at getconnects.com. And he also was the founder of Mass Communications, which he started, grew, and sold for a boatload of money to a major Fortune 500 company. So he's got a great track record for building businesses, um, nourishing businesses, helping them grow, and then obviously having the end of mind and selling them off. And we talk a lot about uh, about that, about going in. He now runs uh, D.Mass. He's got a uh, bunch of irons in the fire as far as use it play. He talks about the, the knock app. So he, he does a lot, but he's got great experience and great insight onto sustaining businesses, things to look for if you're actually going to grow a business with the intention of selling it and making a profit on it and how to get good culture, good core values, how to gain the loyalty of your staff and your team and how to be a better leader. So there's a lot of really awesome things in here for real estate, for business, for entrepreneurship, for leadership, to help you in life, to help you in business. So um, tons of stuff we can pull away from this episode, regardless of what your background is, whether you're in sports, whether you're in real estate, um, whether you're just, you know, blue collar, there's a ton of good, valuable information that you can take away from this episode to make you better at what you do and help you to rethink some of the processes you currently have. Um, just th things that I thought were great on there. So I love talking to him. He and I had a, a conversation offline for uh, probably an hour and a half uh, a few days prior. And we just talked about music and life and Long Island. And, and it was cool. And he's just a great guy, really smart. And I love talking to uh, just normal people who you would never know have such great big, beautiful brains for business that they do all these amazing things with. They're just humble. They're easy to talk to. They're fun. They're, they're level-headed. And, uh, and he was very honest and open about a lot of the things in here. And I thought he gave a lot of really great information and great advice. Definitely check it out. Darren Mass, thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure. And I hope you continue to talk with him more. And again, you guys can check him out and get connects. He's on a lot of those meetings with Chris Chanchuli and uh, a bunch of other great people that I've met through there. Uh, so first and foremost, we have that. Also, if you are interested in getting involved in real estate, whether you want to buy properties from me, sell properties to me, or find a way to partner up, please go to nicknicknick.com slash links and figure out how we can connect, whether you're just starting out, whether you're looking to, to scale up, fix and flips, land development, multifamilies. We've been wholesaling apartment buildings. We've been wholesaling multi, um, mobile home parks. There's tons of ways to get, get involved in real estate and find a way to build up your assets, build up your, your reserves get a good rate of return or, or just find a way to make it work. So if you're not even sure where you want to get involved, how to get involved, but you know, you want to start getting involved, just reach out to me on any of those platforms you see on nicknick.com slash links. Connect with me on there. If you're looking to have me on your podcast as a guest, email me podcast at nicknicknick.com. And last, but certainly not least, we put together a special checklist on ways to build value in yourself to your buyers if you're a real estate agent or if you're an investor and a wholesaler, uh, I put that checklist on nicknicknick.com slash biggerpockets as just a feature when we were on the Bigger Pockets podcast. They were nice enough to have us on there. So that's on there for now. Again, nicknicknick.com. You can find all those resources, our free ebook, nicknicknick.com slash biggerpockets. You can go and you can find that free checklist on ways to add value to your clients. And of course, nicknicknick.com slash links, all the ways to find and please subscribe to this podcast. I'd really appreciate it. Reach out to me. Let's do some real estate. Thank you again, Darren Mash, for putting a great episode together and giving some great feedback and putting together a great company. Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business 
along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-game. My guest today on the A-Game podcast is the CEO of Connects. He is an investor and entrepreneur, and he founded and built Mass Communications, which received Crane's Best Places to Work in New York City for three consecutive years, as well as the five-time honoree of the fastest-growing private companies for Inc. Magazine, which he went up selling for a massive profit. He now specializes in leadership development, team building, analyzing strategies, capitalizing on market trends and building a competitive advantage. Along with his company, he does business therapy and business consulting, D.Mass. He is a father, a musician, and an all-around good guy, my Long Island native. Thank you for being on the A-Game podcast today, Mr. Darren Mass. Welcome. Thank you very much, Nick. I am honored. And honestly, I could not have written or said that better myself. So (laughs) Everybody always says, like, oh, it's a great resume. And I'm like, that's all I got, man. I got a great intro, and then the podcast crashes and burns after that. (laughs) You read off of LinkedIn very well. (laughs) I appreciate that. Uh, so, you know, give a little bit of a background on yourself. You have a bunch of different things that you do that I think are interesting and, and all of them apply in some way, shape or form to what we talk about on this podcast. So I like that we have a bunch of different directions we can really dig in. But, you know, starting with uh, mass communications, until recently, I never I never thought about the idea of building a business with the intent to sell it because real estate tends to be, and unless it's a brokerage or something like that, but what I do with the investing it's one of the few businesses that you really don't see people scaling and selling off. But now I'm seeing it even with like podcasts, like people are building up an audience on podcasts and selling it off. So talk a little bit about the the mindset behind that. When you started Mass Communications, did you have the end in mind that that was a company you were building specifically to sell? Or did that just kind of organically happen? Yeah, so you nailed it. I've always gone against grain my whole life. I was the kid that got the disruptive in class and the teachers would call home saying, I don't listen or pay attention. And, um, you know, I've, I've always had that knack to do things quite opposite of the norm. And when I had my entrepreneurial crazy epiphany of, Hey, this is a great company idea and let me go and do it. I immediately wrote the business plan instinctively because that's what Google said I should do. (laughs) And I started off with the exit strategy. The front page was the company name and the the logo and the slogan. That was all cool. And then it was exit strategy. And everyone I showed this to thought I was crazy. Why would you put the exit strategy first? But to me, it made the most sense. If I asked you to run a race, you'd probably be like, sure. All right, let's do it. Then you'd say, what kind of race? And I would say a foot race, right? If I just said, and go, and you didn't know where the end was, you'd probably start off running as hard and fast as you could. But I really wanted to run a marathon with you. Who's going to win? Me, (laughs) right? But if I told you, let's run a 50 yard or a hundred meter, now you know how much energy to exert and how to expend that energy to win. You know what your game plan should look like. So I've always looked at things as, let me know what the outcome should be right? The choose your own adventure. I kind of want to read the last bit first. So I know how to get to the end of the maze. When I was growing up, 
like every kid, the placemat that had the maze on it, my mom always told me, start from the end. And if you start from the exit point, you'll find your way back to the beginning and it always works. Business is exactly the same, right? If you want to grow a business for the next 10 years and sell it, you need to know that, or at least have that in the back of your mind, because then any, every decision you make is going to lead you down that path of, is this on brand or on strategy for my exit? There are two major types of businesses, growth organizations, where you do the best you can to grow your product or your, your IP or your, your sales and your revenue, right? And then sell the company. And the other type is a lifestyle business, one which the business grows and your lifestyle grows with it. You do things to support the way you live. Yeah, you might sell that business later on, or it might become a generational business or whatnot. But it's a different way of applying business tactics and techniques in either direction. So you should kind of know what you want to do. So with MassCom, I knew I was not going to hand a telecommunications business down to my children. <laughs> I knew this was not a generational business. I had a passion for the industry. I was always an engineer-minded person, and I was an engineer by trade. But I knew that telecom would not be my last thing. So I, I gave it 10 years. And my exit strategy said, in 10 years, I want to sell the company to, and for what dollar amount? And exactly 10 years later to the date, and this is pure coincidence, on December 19th, 2007, I started. December 19th, 2017, 18 is when we started the conversations and sold the company exactly to the company that I put in my exit plan and exactly for the dollar amount. Pure coincidence, but call it kismet, fate, or share it, whatever you want. I put it out there and it came back. Now, my story is really a story of hustle and drive more than anything else. I didn't go to fancy business school. I got a higher education later on when I realized that I was CEO by title and name, but not by acumen. So over time, I put myself through more training so I could learn what those crazy business terms that people were throwing at me were all about. But it really is about roll up your sleeves, get the job done at whatever cost and make it happen. I love that, man. I think it's so interesting. Even one of the first lessons I remember at the very first business or real estate meeting I went to is they always say, like, think about your tombstone and write your, you know, write your eulogy and work your way backwards for life. So that same thing with like the end in mind, I think is, is just great advice for life that really helps you paint the picture. And I think what you're saying is funny how you're like, hey, it's pure coincidence that 10 years later, the same company that I put almost on the same date, but you know, every interview I have, somebody has a story like that. And I tell myself when I get off this call, I'm going to go like write up all my exit plans and, and map it out and write, put it on writing. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But has that been something that you have always done? Because it doesn't seem like an engineer thing to do, you know, as far as like writing out the goals and, and like having almost that, um, you know, the wish it wanted type of thing in there. But I can't argue that it works for so many people. It has was that something that you've developed over time or was that just part of what you did with the business plan? Like mindset wise, I mean. Um, so no, I've kind of been wishy-washy my whole life. Like I said, what's worked for me is true hustle, getting the job done, you know, not quitting, not hearing no for an answer and pushing forward. The reason why I wrote a business plan is simply because Google told me you should have a business plan, right? I, I think in life you will have many successful people give 
their reenactment of what transpired, or you can read every one of the millions of business books. But the success to anything, including you know your own path, my path, is really about how much effort you're going to put into it. Yeah, you need a really great idea and you need a great structure. And yes, there are business processes that you must adhere to in order to get to the next level. But a lot of what you need to live life is innate. It's part of your makeup. It's part of your brain. And if you can kind of harness your intuition, you can get to that next level. So for me, you know, the business plan and the exit strategy, again, it was a Google search. I should write a business plan. And oh, yeah, that makes sense. From that point on, you know, I had great partners. I had awesome employees. I had supporters. And I had a lot of luck in timing, luck in which you create, right? We create our own luck. But there's certain coincidences in, in life that if you're a good, honest, ethical person, they tend to just pop up, you know? So I guess I'm here to say that you can read all the business books in the world. You know, you can read every book on how to play the guitar. You can buy yourself the best guitar in the world. But unless you're willing to put in the practice and hustle, you're not going to get great, right? Same thing with business. I love that. You know, I, I almost use that analogy because sometimes with both of the things that I do a lot of, which is you know, jiu-jitsu and real estate, people go, well, you know, you could just go online and watch some stuff on YouTube. And I go, yeah, okay, you can. Have you ever played guitar before? Nope. Okay, great. I'm going to give you a guitar. And then here's a YouTube tutorial of Slash showing you how to play his solo and Welcome to the Jungle. You have the video, you have the guitar, play it. And then they're like, well, I need more help. I'm like, how is this any different? You know, it's like, but people put these things in their head. And it's, it's always interesting to me, the things that they're willing to go out and do on their own, which are crazy. And the things that they're willing to like, they, they have to stop and I have to get help for this. And like, that is something you could do for like, it's just so backwards a lot of the time. I, I, I always think it's interesting, but I'm always looking for people that can help me do things faster and safer, knowing that I, I've taken those beatings and everybody else that I know, it's like, I don't want to waste years of, of making bad business practices when I could surround myself with somebody like you and have a 30 minute phone call and learn those lessons without having to take them myself. But people's people's egos and stubbornness get in their way. What have you found in business as far as just being around so many CEOs and entrepreneurs and people that you're working with um, as their mentor for having to talk away that ego and that stubbornness? Oh, ego. <laughs> ego is uh, our false realization of who we are. And so I have a lot of thought behind ego and, and it really comes down to you know, if we can all learn to shut our egos up, we'd be better people, right? I've been a person that has always been able to ask for help without embarrassment, right? And in my life, I've always had people I've looked up to and mentors, right? They didn't even know they were my mentor. I've always looked at it. If you really want to be successful, much like the exit strategy, you need to have two focuses. You need to have a target whether it's a company or a person that you want to overcome, right? It's the guy racing next to you that you want to beat. And this doesn't have to be malicious. It just has to be a, like that company, I'm going to be better than them, take all their customers, outpace them, right? And you also need an inspiration. Some person or company or, or product that you want to emulate as a point of pride, right? So for me, I've always had that target and inspiration in mind. 
And that has kind of kept my ego in check. If my inspiration is someone I aspire to be, then how can my ego be bigger than that, right? And I've often looked at it as those that have the bigger or biggest egos, they're missing the point. Success is about truly understanding you as a person, your strengths, and more importantly, your weaknesses. You have to figure out in life, if you have a deficiency in something, do you fill it in with somebody else that can be better at that deficiency? Or do you practice and work hard to overcome that deficiency? One of those deficiencies, I'll bring up Richard Branson. Richard Branson, I would argue probably one of the most successful people on earth, right? Business sense wise, right? He's dyslexic. And you say, how is it possible that a billionaire can be dyslexic? That's because he understood that he had what he deemed as a weakness. So he hired people that specifically understood his weakness, he was not embarrassed by it, and he had other people help him out with that weakness in order to elevate to the next level. So he focused on the things that he was great at, being a visionary, brand ambassador, cultural leader, super successful in everything that he invented and, and did. Even the failures were successful because it was more marketing, right? But reading numbers, understanding financial projections, reading speeches, not his cup of tea. And that's why he filled those, those weaknesses and deficiencies with people that accelerated and helped him out. Ego has to go aside on that one, right? Ego gets you in trouble. Ego prevents you from saying, I'm sorry, or may I have your forgiveness? Ego harms culture. Ego makes people not want to help you get to your next goal or your level. And the success of the majority of companies or people that you would deem as the most successful in this world, they got there because of others that helped them get to that level, myself included. I believe in culture. I believe that people helped me by believing in me and my vision and my mission. They put forth all of the effort that they could to help get the company and myself to that next level. And together, we all shared in the success. But ego, that was not a part of it. You know, I think it's really interesting and timely. I've had a few recent conversations and I've been part of companies that I helped develop into $100 million companies before. And I've noticed that the, the main thing that changed and you could feel the shift in everything from the top down was when the leaders of the company started resenting the people around them that were helping, again, back to ego of like, well, they're doing good jobs now, even though those people around them are the ones that are making their life way better. Like now you get to sit back and do nothing. All the people who are doing the hard work and they're working their butts off for you, but now you're mad at them because of whatever insecurity you have. And now your actions and your attitude changes. And then that starts to taint the culture of the entire business. And now people are not really invested in doing their best and going the extra mile. And you could tell they don't believe in it. And then that trickles into sales and company stuff and all that. What is something you think as a, as somebody who's been around business for so long, what are some pitfalls to avoid that are, you know, even as a business owner, like I know logically these people are my team. They're making me money. I tell everybody like with sports, you could be the best pitcher in baseball. If you don't have a catcher, there's no championships to be won. 
but I see it over and over again that they, they start to resent the team that they put in place for exactly that right thing. And then the people don't appreciate it. But the ones that do, like the people in my life that I know always have my best interest and I have theirs and they believe w- in what they're doing, I'm always willing to do more for them than I am for myself because I believe in it. And that makes the companies, I think, really flourish. But um, what are you seeing as far as keeping that positive culture? Because I think it's one of the most undervalued things. People look at the money and they forget about the culture. If the culture isn't there and it's not positive, the money is going to stop. You just nailed it. I mean, that that is it right there. So, all right. Yes. There's. So when I started my business therapy practice, I realized that more often than not, in a small, medium-sized business, the very same person or people that started a business that took that big risk, right? They reap the reward on the way up. They hired, they brought staff in for some period of time. They had a good culture. They had positive momentum. That's how they saw success. But for some reason, those are the very same people that destroy their business too. And it's because lack of trust for employees, the inability to delegate and elevate the misunderstanding of praising in public, criticizing in private, not having employee reviews, realizing that it's not you, the, the owner or the business reviewing the employee, it's really the employee's chance to review you as the owner, not understanding that when people quit, they really fired you as a business owner or company, not understanding that people got you to where you are and that lack of trust is what will tear a business apart. Now, there is truth that a company, a successful company that has been growing and growing will outpace their employees. And there is some school to thought that sometimes you have to replace your your longest tenured employees. And I think that gets a little bit carried away. If you're not constantly elevating your employees, putting them through training, helping them get to the next level, then you're not building a good culture you're not helping yourself more than anything else. I believe a lot of organizations or entrepreneurs at some point do get fooled by the money, right? That ego, back to that topic, comes in and it becomes all about me, 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 me. But a real good successful company is about we and us, not us versus them. And those businesses and business owners that embrace that mentality as long as possible will be the ones that continue to thrive. They will continue to grow. Even in hard times, tough conversations are more easily understood by employees if they believe in the company, if they have faith in the owner. And the only way to keep that faith and that belief is for business owners to pay attention to their people. Can't be where you are without them. I love that, man. I see the same thing in the, even in martial arts, you know, when people forget about their gym and the people that bought them up and the fundamentals and, you know, now they're changing teams and going in all these different directions and, you know, trying to, trying to find almost any reason to explain why they're not firing on all cylinders anymore or winning. And the last thing that they do is look at themselves. You know, it's the coach, it's the gym, it's the climate, it's the area, it's this, it's that, it's the pandemic. But, you know, I, I feel like the accountability is a huge thing that just never gets hit. And, you know, even, it's become one of my biggest pet peeves because I fully accept anytime I make mistakes, even if it's not my fault, it's my fault because there was something I should have done. And, you know, it's become a huge thing. And especially this week, I had two deals 
that were coming through and they wound up going through, but there was, you know, hiccups that happen in any business. And the conversation, when I called to have a very logical, calm conversation of, all right, Hey, you know, I wasn't going to have this, but now that we're at this point, we're forced to have the conversation. So here's like 10 different things where the responsibility you had got dropped. And now I am taking a hit for X, Y, and Z. So what are you willing to take on your end? No, you should have, and they should have, and the legal guy should have, and the attorney should have, and you blew, and like, there was zero of like any responsibility or accountability for anything that was even an inkling that they did something wrong, which I wasn't even saying. They just started getting defensive right off the bat, both guys. And I just said to them, look, you know, regardless of what this is or how this turns out, if I were you, I'd take a hard look in the mirror for business in life in general, because not being able to accept any responsibility or accountability for your actions is not going to help you. Like, I'm not even angry. I'm not even having a fight with you. This is for your own good. Like our thing is done. We're good. But for you, and I know it's going to go in one ear and out the other, but in your experience, how important is being able to take responsibility and accountability for having a successful business as a leader? It's everything. Absolutely everything. I remember a situation where we had just won this very large financial institution. And, you know, in my head, I was replaying, why would this big, huge financial institution want to do business with little old me and my company? And obviously they connected. They saw the value in working with our organization. And then the oh shit moment, something really bad happened. It was not my fault. In fact, it was another company's fault and they wanted something more than, than we had the power for and they took it from us. But that essentially the phone numbers were this major financial institution, which they went to marketing with. And it was the first time in my life that I felt completely lost. And I literally sat on the floor underneath my desk, almost curled up in a ball thinking I'm ruined. I had this huge opportunity for this huge account. Could have been so much. And I have to call them and tell them that about this horrible situation. And I allowed myself what seemed like five minutes, probably 30 seconds, but it seemed like five minutes. And I said, you know what? Grab yourself by the bootstraps, make that tough conversation. Fall on the sword, do whatever you have to, apologize, offer a solution. Here's the solution, figure it out. So I made that phone call. It was like 7.30 p.m. at night. Spoke to the contact. I said, hey, listen, I've got horrible news. Huge issue. The numbers that we assigned to you that were assigned to us, they were taken by some other big company. I know you went to marketing with them. I'm working and here's my solution. Ultimately, that contact said, thanks for telling me. You didn't try to cover it up. This is going to be a big problem. It's going to be really expensive. Let's regroup tomorrow and, and walk it through. I didn't get yelled at. I didn't get fired. Right? It was a sense of relief. I did the right thing. That relief lasted until, you know, five minutes later when I had to figure out how am I going to fix this? Calm, cool, and collected. I, I fixed it. I was able to get a similar set of numbers and some marketing dollars from that company that was our vendor. They understood that's going to cost them and the solution worked out. My point being curled up in a ball doesn't really solve a problem. Allowing yourself that moment to be a human does, but allowing yourself to be totally transparent and honest, owning a mistake, again, setting the ego aside. The solution was I built an instantaneous 
solid relationship with my client, knowing that I didn't lie to him. I didn't cover it up. I didn't steer in another direction. I didn't play the blame game. I owned it. And that is how I formed a solid relationship, which lasted many years through, it was one of the largest accounts we ever had. And it's because of that pivotal moment, because there was no pointing fingers. There was no, it was my fault. That's it. And you will find in life, the more understanding you are of yourself, the more confident you are in yourself, and the more honest you are with all those around you, people will relate because who in this world hasn't screwed up? Who hasn't disappointed someone else? Who hasn't made a mistake? Everybody has. And in business, if you can remove the business aspect and turn yourself into a human being, you can relate to any audience and you can essentially build a very successful career just by being honest. I love that, man. I, I think that that's an amazing, amazing insight. And for you, have you always been somebody that's solution-based or did you have to learn that by, you know, make, making uh, the wrong things or letting those life lessons get you down instead of just, like you said, kind of, you know, pulling up your bootstraps and just accepting the responsibility there because that's not easy. And I think it's something that people, especially business guys and entrepreneurs, not only do they, they have to practice it always, you know, like whatever the new thing is, I think the reaction, it's like a muscle, you know, you have to constantly like, like you said, feel it for five minutes, crawl up under your desk. I tell people, you know, stomp your feet, go for a run, pet your dog, have a cookie, whatever the thing is that makes <laughs> you go, all right, I did that now back to business. But I see too many people not do that. Has that been something that you've gotten from like your family or your parents, or is that just something that you developed over time? Um, intuition and, uh, and my deficiency, which I turned into a superpower, I have ADHD. And I think you'll find studies done, most successful uh, entrepreneurs and business owners have ADHD. Um, yeah, I've, I've always, like I said earlier, always been the disruptive kid. So I've always had to find solutions around getting through school or, or passing. Um, for me, it, it's just a rehearsed talent of figuring my way through things right? The book of life, you know, the, the manual of how to operate throughout life isn't really in existence and it doesn't really work for everybody. So it's, you know, what I've learned to get to the point where I'm at today is no different than what you've learned to get to the point of where you're at. Really, it's just about seeing opportunity, trusting your gut, trusting your intuition, applying what you know, understanding what you don't know, filling in the gaps, that lead to success. And by the way, success is measured very independently and individually, right? If you ask anyone what their model of success is, I, I bet you wealth and money is at the top of that list. But I'm sure we can find lots of very wealthy people with a lot of money that are not so happy. So I would look at success as your health first. Why? Because it's really hard to be happy if you're in pain. Then it would be happiness and then family, wealth, religion, whichever you want, that would be kind of lower on the list. Once you can accept that, then I think you can find, you know, the common phrase these days is the true North, <laughs> uh, whatever marketing buzzy term there is. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that, you know, your health and your happiness first above all else. And as long as you have that as your exit strategy, 
right? Your end game, you're very successful in whatever you want, right? If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesaling, fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com, go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. I think that that's really interesting because people constantly think that when I get this thing or do this thing or achieve this thing, you know, then I'll be happy. And even yesterday, yesterday I closed a deal that took me like two and a half weeks and I made like 140 grand on it. And it was like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, but there was a time where you go, you know, and I don't take for granted that there's people out there that like, if, if I could get that money, it would change my life. But there tends to be something where you, at some point when you're, you have money coming in, there is more to it. And then you start to have to look at like, well, you know, what is going to make me feel fulfilled? Like I've had a conversation a bunch of times on this podcast with people that we, 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 um, we referenced Robin Williams because the guy achieved everything, but he had no fulfillment in any of it. And he just wasn't happy. And, you know, even athletes, again, I've had, I have friends who are UFC champions and they get the belt and you think that's the thing you've been chasing. But then when you get it, for some reason, you realize this didn't check that box or give me that thing that I was looking for. And then there's almost a, a sense of initial depression or confusion. How did you feel when you made that massive sale of your company? Did you have a sense of achievement and fulfillment or did it leave you trying to figure out what you still needed to have that feeling? What you have just hit upon is so apparently true and realistic. And you've heard before, life is not about the destination, it's about the journey. Finality, the end, retirement, winning the belt, selling a company, all of that is the destination. And then there's nothing else. Of course, it's going to be depressing. Absolutely. <laughs> I experienced that just like any other business owner that sold their business. Retiring. Yeah, that's pretty depressing. If you've had a career for 40 plus years and it, you were the top of your game, you were the A game. And all of a sudden you're sitting in an armchair watching Wheel of Fortune or trying to figure out if you can get a, a tea time. Pretty depressing. The journey that got us to where we are is the exciting part. Earlier, you said wishing your life away. Yeah, that's what all of us do. I do it too. If I can get to this point or I can't wait until I graduate, I can't wait till my first job, I can't wait till I get a raise, I can't wait till my kids get out of the tantrum phase. Yeah, then we hit that. And guess what? More shit around the corner. There's more I can't wait. All we do as human beings is push to the next future event in our minds to comfort ourselves from the pain that we're ensuing right now, right? That kind of is the wrong mentality. We don't know when the end is going to be. We don't know what retirement looks like. We don't know what it's going to feel like when we win that belt or that prize. 
And we always forget to celebrate the moment that we're living in at this point. Yeah, training for a UFC fight is all of the effort, is all of, I, I bet you UFC fighters get enjoyments from that. You're improving, you're seeing progress, you're seeing results. And then you win your fight or lose your fight. But either way, now what? What do I do next? Same thing, when I sold my company, yeah, it was an awesome day. My partners and I high-fived, great. We had retained our employees, they were employed, great. Everyone was, was happy, awesome. Now what? It's over. So I went through that moment of depression and it really comes down to, I lost my purpose. I always believed in having business consultants, someone that can kind of oversee to make sure you're on the right track, bounce ideas off of. It's good as a leader to have someone say, you know what, you're on the right path, but why don't you try this approach or even agree with you? It gives you more confidence in whatever you're working on. And this business consultant had said to me, so what are you going to do next? I said, I don't know. Do I have to do anything? Right? I'm going to win the prize. Yay. And she goes, you will, because you're young and, and what's going to happen is you're going to go from a CEO of, you know, an award-winning company, lots of people that look up to you, to now being some rich guy. And your friends are going to celebrate a sale they closed or some success in business. And you're going to be in that circle saying, oh, cool. I wish I had that. She could not have been any more thrilled. Absolutely. So after a while, sitting, wondering what my purpose was at 38 years old, I realized that I need to get back in the hustle. That's what I love. So now I'm, I'm involved with so much. I've extended myself you know, to multiple different facets. And the majority of it is just to give me purpose. And I love it. The difference now, I do things that I want to do, that I'm passionate about. I don't accept every opportunity. So that's what my exit was able to do for me is allow me to have choice in my choose your own adventure book. Allow me to work on the things that truly engage me and make me feel like I'm helping improving. You know, coaching and consulting for small businesses, I get to help others grow their business. That's rewarding for me. I get to help the employees of those businesses build a better culture and be kind of the, the message to the owner who's may or may not be getting it, right? That's purpose to me. Focus on the journey, man. That's what it's about. My buddy, Alex Stewart, he, uh, he always corrects me when I say it's about the journey. He said, it's not about the journey because the journey has an end. It's about the adventure. And I always try to remember that. I was like, you know what? I do like that because the adventure really kind of never stops. But, you know, I, I think- Semantics. Yeah, it's, it's semantics. But I like what you're saying because so much of this, when people are looking for just the, give me the checklist of how to make money, there's so much more to the mental side of, of business and life in general. And I, I like that you classify yourself as a business therapist with D.Math. So um, talk a little bit about what you do there. I know that there's, there's all kinds of things for marketing and for sales. And um, I, I like you're your, your treating financial disorders. And I looked through the website on there and there was like a whole chart of all these different things that I would relate to at some point in the journey as a business owner. But there was some top elements that were relevant to me right now, such as like, analysis paralysis, being overwhelmed with too many options, not focusing. And uh, one of them was technology disillusion, which I, I'm every day having a conversation with somebody goes, 
I'm using the CRM. But instead of figuring out how to really learn the CRM, they're out there trying to learn about every other one going, well, no, what's the magic one or what's the magic social media or what, you know what I mean? So a lot of those things, I think, regardless of what business you're in, sometimes you're, you're overwhelmed with too many options. You're always looking for the next big thing instead of focusing on what you should be doing. So I think you serve an, an, an awesome purpose with a lot of different opportunities for people along that journey and that adventure we're talking about. So I'm going to that a little bit about kind of what you guys do and how you help businesses. Yeah, so welcome to the world of way too many options and analysis paralysis, over-engineering things uh, to the point where you can't make a decision. We all suffer it. If you want to buy something and you look at Amazon, you look at every item on Amazon before you can make your solution or your, your, your choice. Um, indecision is the worst decision. Sometimes you just have to pick one. There, there's pros and cons of everything, right? You mentioned CRM. There's, there's so many CRMs out there. The best CRM is the one that you're using and applying and using well, right? So what I do at D.Mass is help business owners get rid of that analysis paralysis, make a decision. I hold business owners on point, on task. We focus on culture to help grow companies. We focus on inspiring the people that work for and with us. We focus on financial, the, the textbook financial aspects that you have to focus on to grow a company. We focus on technology. You need to implement technology to grow a company or to make things more efficient. We focus on processes and procedures and everything that you would need to focus on that might have escaped you as a business owner. The majority of the entrepreneurs are first time entrepreneurs. Like myself, never ran a business before. I didn't know what I should do. I just muscled my way through it. And that works. I would tell people, we just bootstrapped and hustled and got to the point where we are. But at some point, you need someone else involved that can guide you. So when that, we, our first consultant was, uh, was a gentleman that had gray hair. And he said, sometimes you need the old man with the gray hair to just give you validity. Right? It's true. You need to have someone who's been there before you. Right, has done that and can recognize either warning signs or progress points, milestones. And if you don't have that extra help, you can still be very successful, but the odds start stacking up. To get to your first million in revenue takes a lot of work, a lot of hustle. To double that year over year takes an increasing amount of work and hustle. And all of a sudden you find yourself, let's say at a $10 million company, I never ran a $10 million company before, right? No one gave me the handbook of what to do when you're running a company. It's a bigger company, you know, still requires hustle and drive, still requires knowing your numbers and, and all the business tactics. But now there's a lot more risk, a lot more to lose. Why? Because that company has more mouths to feed, more employees. While we talked about earlier, some business owners look at employees as uh, the threat or the enemy at times. Others embrace employees. But once you have employees, and a lot of them, that means a lot of responsibility. I would sit in the conference room, and I would, in my head, look at every employee and count and just say, wow, this person has a family. And they, they require a paycheck and health care and benefits. All of that means that I have to work really hard to make sure I don't screw up and I have the right guidance and I make the right decisions so I can continue to provide. Essentially, it's, it's a mind trip in a way, right? 
That leads me to talking about the role of a CEO or the delusion of grandeur when you decide to start a company and be your own boss. You're not your own boss. In fact, it's worse. If you think starting a company, you get to make your own hours and do your own things, then great. Start your company and go out of business statistically in your first year. But once you hire employees, you work for your employees. Your title of see whatever, it's just a title. You still have to do every aspect of the job to get the job done. You still have to impress. You still have to deliver. You still have responsibilities. You can't just take off because you feel like taking off. Sure, some do. I'm sure there are statistics. Great companies have hustle and the CEO walks the floor. The CEO, again, doesn't have the ego where they're the best because they have the CEO title. They understand everyone has importance and your role as CEO is the chief motivator, chief salesperson, the chief networker, the chief inspirational officer, the chief visionary, right? But that means you need to report to everyone and do your job better than anyone else in the room. Janitor has to be the best janitor in the world, the right person in the right seat, the person that's troubleshooting for customers, best person that could do the job, great personality, an account manager, a salesperson. They have to be the best at their jobs. The CEO, you have to be the best at your job or surround yourself with the best people at their jobs. You don't have to be the smartest in the room, but you better deliver and you report to everybody in the organization. Man, I, I love every part of that. I, I always give the analogy of the teams, you know, because, um, you know, Phil Jackson is probably a great coach, but when you have Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan as your star players, it's going to make your job a little bit easier, but that doesn't mean that you, you don't have to show up, you know? So I think it's a, it's a huge piece there of being a leader and making sure, you know, what you just said is the essence of my entire podcast. We've always said from the beginning, whether you're the CEO or the guy mopping the floors, everything you do you need to be bringing your A game to it. You can't look at it and say, well, I'm not really going to commit to doing a great job here because I really should be up there. Like you'll never get to that next level. You get to that by being excellent and reliable at what you do and having other people above that notice and then start to bring you up. I, I just had that conversation last week with the Brandon Toner, the owner of Bigger Pockets. And he was talking about how his star players on his team that he's doing multi, multi-million dollar things with started as interns. And they were one of like 20 or 30 or 40 and they were interns for a year, not making a lot of money. And every time there's one that rises to the top and they start redoing the spreadsheets and putting in the extra hours and bringing all these ideas in and bringing up the morale. And then just by nature, you notice them and you go, that's my A player out of that group. You know, that's my star. I'm pulling him out and I'm making him part of part of whatever the next thing is and finding the right seat for him. So I think that that's a, a huge thing is what are some of the most common um, themes or problems or ailments that you're curing at D.Mass with new business owners? Uh, it, it's everything. I mean, every business is totally unique. Now, more often than not, you'll find a combination of technology problems, no processes, no documentation of processes, the cultural aspect, uh, the financial aspects, uh, not, not knowing how to run a good financial health uh, organization. It's a mixture of all of the above. Every ailment that I uh, that I list on the website is just true for most businesses, just varying degrees. Uh, number one is always culture, though. You know, it's, it, it is always culture. It's always 
people show up to do a job, you don't want your employees to just do a job. You want your employees to really align with what you're doing. You're serving a purpose. You're delivering value. That's number one. You know, when I walk into my clients, you know, it, it's almost like pure regurgitation. The second I'm introduced, I sit down and I meet with all the employees and every employee, it's almost like a breath of fresh air that the owner brought somebody else in. And all of a sudden they just telling all, they tell all the secrets and all <laughs> the things they don't like about the business owner. And it's like, they have no guard. They just wanted to talk to anybody. And that happens quite often. Um, you know, it, it's, it's very interesting to me. And I was very cognizant of this when I, when I was, my partners and I were running MassCom. We talk to all of our employees all the time. Yes, yeah, some difficult conversations, of course. Sometimes people make mistakes. That's okay. We were completely open. And that cliche, our door is always open. Well, it really was. We had glass walls. You could <laughs> see me on a call, right? You can see what I was doing. That to me was on purpose. I was holding myself accountable to my employees. If I had you know, glass walls, then you're watching me work. And if I'm slacking off, I would hope that you would uh, call me out on it, right? So you find, or I find often these closed doors. And even though we'll say my door is always open and put up a motivational poster about, you know, teamwork and, you know, a crew team rowing on, on the Charles oh. river, right. Or, you know, or a bird flying in the air talking about opportunity. It's all lies. We don't practice what we preach. Start practicing what we preach Just live by it, motivate. That is the number one thing that I see, whether it's a small company or a large company, we lose sight of the fact that the very same people that helped us get to our goals need to be supported so we can help them get to their goals. I love that, man. And a couple of things you said here that I also like, one of them being um, you, you have a unique ability to effectively manage change. I think right now, more than ever in, in our history lately anyway, um, the ability to recognize and to pivot your business is where a lot of people over the last six months to the next six to 12 months are going to thrive or to fail. And I think that there's going to be a very distinct evident line of that. And it's when you look back, it's going to be because I, I literally had a conversation yesterday with people that were trying to do that. And they're looking to go back and just do the same thing that they've always done. And it's a completely different world. And you're going to get shocked when you do that. And, you know, there's the classic example of blockbuster video being a run out of town because their ego got in the way and they didn't want to listen to Netflix and, you know, Toys R Us being run out of by Amazon because they didn't know how to pivot their business because their ego was too big and they were stuck in their ways. What are you seeing now? Um, I'm sure being somebody who invested prior to the crash versus after and now seeing another quote unquote, you know, crisis with this pandemic, how are you effectively managing the change in the world now for your business or helping other businesses adapt to what's happening for them? Yeah, so there's a lot to unfold and unpack from that one. Um, I will caveat Blockbuster. I don't know if it was an ego play um, more than, you know, I'm sure you're aware now, like most people, they had an opportunity to purchase Netflix and it, it was widely understood that they passed on that. They didn't. There were other factors that prevented them from, from uh, making that acquisition. Um, and it truly wasn't their fault. And I don't think it was ego. I just, Sometimes your business is outpaced by others. And this is just like a controlled forest fire. 
Sometimes you have to let things go to give rise for new opportunity, right? Um, you had mentioned uh, Phil Jackson OE, so I will throw out the plant your pivot foot. That is so important. As a CEO, the number one thing that you have to really focus on is risk mitigation, right? And you should always be coming up with other paths, whether it's an alternative product or an alternative solution to, you know, mitigate some of the risky moments in life. Now, no one thought about a pandemic. In fact, in the, in the textbook of businesses and things that can go wrong, global pandemic probably wasn't high on the list and it probably wasn't even mentioned. Complete economic meltdown and shutdown, probably not mentioned, right? I can name a few more things that they're probably not up there. But in this case, yeah, we saw the worst. We saw the worst that can happen whether it's changing your core product or services to, to deliver what is needed by a remote workforce or you know, people sitting at home, whatever your product is. It, you know, obviously, this is more vague generality, but you have to constantly be thinking about how do I mitigate risk if this happens. Now, you can drive yourself nuts, so it doesn't need to occupy all your brain space, but it should at least be a topic of conversation every once in a while with yourself and your leadership team or your board or, or whatever your company has, you know, it's knowing when to, uh, to move and knowing the, the, uh, you know, the worst case scenarios, you know, and sometimes that worst case scenario means, well, if we had an economic downturn, we have to lay off some people and, you know, how are we going to survive? But you have to plant your pivot foot. I find it funny how silly human beings can be. You know, myself included, right? We are the most adaptable species on the planet. We can swim, we could walk. We've been nomads, we can be, we've been wanderers, vagabonds, quote Metallica, right? We, uh, we can live anywhere. We can do anything. We can pack up and plant roots in another city overnight. Yet we're so resistant and scared and fearful of change. But what we do know is once change is implemented and we go through the emotional change management curve of all those steps of denial and depression and, and all the stress that goes with it, the last step is acceptance. And once we get to the acceptance stage, all of a sudden it's like, yeah, no pain. I tell my daughters, I have three daughters. So uh, yeah, that's, that's always fun and exciting. But when they fall off their bike, which is quite often, and they get hurt, Tell them to dust themselves off like a good parent should. But when they really hurt, I tell them, think about this pain. Focus on that pain right now. And then get through the sobbing tears and, you know, ouchies and all that. And I say, do you remember the last time you fell off their bike, your bike? And they'll say, yes or no. Do you remember what it felt like? Did it hurt? Yes or no. Do you feel that pain right now? Yes, no. But do you remember if you felt that pain yesterday? No. My point is, is tomorrow you won't feel that pain. Get back on the bike, push forward. That pain will be something in your memory a long time ago, but it won't be reality anymore. Same thing with change. I remember we in the telecom worlds went and implemented a new CRM system. And I remember what it felt like to announce that to everyone. We all have more work to do and a new system to learn. As I'm announcing it, one of my slides, I posted up the emotional change management curve. And I explained every step. And I said, okay, everyone, this sucks. Let's call it for what it is. 
I don't want to do this. You don't want to do this. No one wants to go through this. A lot of extra work. So let's go through denial. And then I walked everybody through depression. And yeah, that was sucks. Then I walked everyone back through denial. Oh, it's not going to really happen. And then we finally, in that same half hour meeting, found ourselves together in acceptance. And my message was, now that we've been through this together, we all know it's reality and we're not going to deny it. We've all been depressed together. Let's just go get this shit done and do it. And all of a sudden, out of that meeting, a lot of smiles and happiness, but we implemented the CRM system relatively quickly. No pushback. No one said any bad, negative, no, we're not going to do this type of mentality to others. It was getting done and we were doing it. And we ended up succeeding. My point being, just push through change, get shit done and stop complaining about it. And you'll be a better person. You'll run a better business. And all of this ties back into honesty and foregoing your ego. Dude, that is such a great example of great leadership right there. Thank you. That's awesome. I, I like Took that. Some practice. Yeah, that's good, man. That's how you get it done. You know, so connecting on um, business together, one of the, the cliches, which is, is true in and out, is, you know, your network is your net worth and it's not what you know, it's who you know. And I think that that pivots perfectly into how you and I connected through your company connects who you are the CEO. And I know they do business growth and it's a networking community. And I've already had some great conversations, you included. And I um, started making some real relationships there um, that were interesting that I think it's a lot different. I want you to talk about it, but I have found off of it that I get on calls just like I would with almost any other network. But for some reason, the, the conversations and the relationships that I'm making through there are sticking a lot quicker and a lot more solid than a lot of the other things that I've done over the years. And I think that that definitely says a lot, again, about the leadership and what you guys have done and how you believe in it from the top down. But I think it's going to be one of the biggest networking companies out there in the very near future. And obviously, you're going to have a lot to do that. That's why shout out to Chris Chanchuli, who is a great guy. I like his energy. I like everything he's doing. And he speaks very highly of you. And that's why he bought you on as a CEO. But um, talk about Connects, man, because I think it's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, really appreciate the kind words, and uh, and it's true. Uh, I have always had a passion for networking, and there are so many different networking groups out there, but the networking group that sticks out the most is the one where you build relationships, not about business. I don't care what you do for a living at first. I want to know you, and if we form a great relationship, then tell me what you do. I don't need to stereotype you based on the field or type of company you work for. I want to know you as a person because chances are, if I know you and I like you and we have a relationship, I'm going to want to see you do well. And that can lead to me referring some business your way. I could be sitting at a dinner table and a cousin says, hey, do you know a guy that does uh, specialty insurance for boats? Actually, I do. He's in my networking group. And they do a great job. And I really like this person. So what you're doing is you're extending your net and creating almost hot leads, right? I, I picture the introduction email to a person you want to refer. Hey, Nick, I know you're looking for a real estate attorney. Please meet Bob. Bob is a real estate attorney. Good luck. Okay, great. That's a nice warm lead. Or... Hey, Nick, I want you to meet my really good friend, Bob. 
He's a real estate attorney. He has impressed me. Every single time I give him a referral, he comes back with rave reviews. I see him in these networking meetings. I know about his three kids. Tell me you wouldn't want to do business with that person, right? There is an awesome business book. I'll give it a plug because I believe every business owner should read it. It's, it's changed my life. Much like when you read a horoscope and you're like, oh yeah, I'm a Taurus. I am stubborn, right? This business book is by a gentleman named Patrick Lencioni. It's called Getting Naked. And it's a business fable, short book, short listen if you listen on, on audio, um, easy read. It talks about removing the three things that hold us back as human beings the most. It talks about overcoming your fear of failure, your fear of vulnerability, and your fear of embarrassment. Just being you, being real, assume the sale right away. Own up to if you don't know a term in someone else's industry. Be okay saying, I'm sorry, I'm making mistakes. This book changed my life. In fact, we had it as the book of the month club in my company, and I must have listened to it. Again, ADHD, I have to listen to books. Um, I must have listened to it at least 200, 300 times, not exaggerating. Huh. You know, it, it's, I believe in it. So highly recommend it. But if you can remove those three things that hold us back, you will be very successful at whatever you put your mind to. No matter what, don't worry about being embarrassed. Don't worry about failing. And don't worry about being vulnerable. That's how you build a relationship with people. People want to be with other people that they can bond with, that they can, they can have commonalities with. And the only way you get their real relationships is by removing those fears. We focus on that at Connects. It's about getting to know another person for who they are and not just what they do. As you said, it's not what you know, it's who you know. We take it further. It's not what you know, it's not who you know, it's who you know that knows what you know. That's how business happens, especially in this day and age where we don't ever meet in, in person anymore. It's very rare right now. Things will change, I'm sure, in the future, but right now we meet over this screen here you're not really seeing me for who I am, but we can have a conversation. And if you find commonality and you bond, we're going to want to do business together. Our community is all about fostering solid relationships, learning about a person first, expanding your network. You don't have to like everybody. I don't like everybody. I'm sure you don't like everyone, right? But you'll build a network with the people that you do align with, that you do like, and you'll broaden your horizons. And business will come from that hands down. More importantly, our meetings are completely cathartic. You get off of these meetings feeling like a weight has been lifted off of you because Chris Chanchuli is an amazing MC. He can, he can bring the most vulnerable secret out of you just by the questions and the structure we have. I remember there was one question about a win that you were celebrated for that really meant something to you. And this is one of my first meetings. I had told a story that I hadn't thought about since the moment it happened when I was 10 years old, completely out of my mind until that question was asked. No fear of vulnerability or embarrassment. I threw it out there. I hit the ball in camp in, in playing baseball. I was rounding first, rounding second. And then I just remember the counselor dragging me by my foot to third base. That's all I remember. I remember the, the ball and then a drag. 
And then everyone picking me up in the air after I got to third base celebrating. Now, granted, I'm 10, you know, small time <laughs> win here. Apparently, what happened, as I was rounding second going into third, I collided headfirst into the third baseman, and I was knocked unconscious. But I had two RBIs, and we won our little game there. It felt great, but I hadn't had that thought since that physical day when it happened after I took the ice pack off my head, right? That to me was a completely uplifting and cathartic moment in my life. I felt great after that call. That's what we do at Connects. We bring you out and then tell us you're a lawyer or a doctor or a business owner. I think that that's very relevant because it is, I didn't think about it until you put it like that, but yeah, like most of the conversations I'm having now like you and I, for an example, I think we talked for over an hour. And at the end of it, I, we still didn't really get around to like what we do. You know, and it was kind of like, all right, well, we'll get to it next time. And even a couple of this week, yeah, it, it was the same thing. It was like, hey, you know, we, we decided we wanted to do a one-on-one and connect. And then it was kind of like, so like, what do you do? And it, it was it was so the opposite of initial conversation of you want to talk to this person because they have what you need in business. And this was the total opposite. It was you had some sort of attraction or attachment to this person for, you know, their story or their energy or their humor. And then, like you said, you peel that back after like, okay, we fit on some level now after we get past that. And that I just very different. Maybe that's exactly why those relationships stick better. Cause it's more about who you are, not what you do. And I think that that's very unique and I'm excited about it. I can't recommend it enough. Awesome. Well, I mean, how often do we walk around and get sold to who wants to be sold to? I hate it. <laughs> I'll stop a salesperson that tracks me like, okay, you're talking to a salesperson too. Yeah, cut, just... it, cut it off. Out, you know, nobody wants to be sold to, but that's what most networking approaches are. Now that works. Networking, transactive networking absolutely works for some people, but not to everyone. So, you know, you have to have different walks of life and different approaches to things in order to find what is most successful for you. This is just one other mechanism one other tool in, in your tool chest that can help you find your path to success. I love it, man. And different approach. From who you are to what you do, I love not only hearing about, you know, what people have been through and how they get to be successful, but a little bit about what, the, what drives them. And a common thing that you and I had is we talked a lot about music, which I think you're an interesting enigma because a lot of the time the engineer type step-by-step -step analytical personality doesn't always mesh well as an artist either, but you play a bunch of instruments. You have, you know, we like a lot of the same music. We knew a lot of, the, we probably were at some of the same shows in Long Island back in the day, but um, talk a little bit about um, your love of music, what you do, and, and if you could actually, your, your company Music Play, which I think is a really cool thing that you guys are starting to build. Yeah, so I, uh, I was a rock drummer and uh, I've been in a lot of bands and I thought I was going to be, you know, a famous drummer on stage and uh, 18 years old and I'm playing with my band. And yeah, that didn't work out. I went to college instead and uh, picked a different career path. And you know what? No regrets in either direction. Although I do wish I could play on stage. Now, as I'm older and have, you know, have kids, I don't really practice. So I wouldn't say I'm that good anymore. Um, <laughs> I also can dabble in the guitar, but I am not good at that. I think I could play a really good five bars of Sweet Child of Mine and sound like I know what I'm doing. Um, but no, it's, I have a passion for music. And as you can tell, I, I really get excited about a lot of things that 
I can focus on business, networking, relationships, coaching, consulting, and, and music. So I had met these guys at Music Play, and they invited me to sit on the board with them. They are changing the education landscape. They have a virtual course brought by brought on by professional musicians, pre-recorded, uh, called the Virtuoso Class, where they are actually teaching the instrument for their topic. Similar to how Masterclass has coursework, they have their own style. Music Play has its own style where they're teaching you about the thing that you have passion and purpose for. So if you are amazing at piano and you want to take a class by Corey Henry to really learn how a professional musician plays the piano, that's it. So when I was asked to sit on the board here, I, I got head over heels excited. I get to talk about business, build relationships, networking, and live in my passion. I'm on. Let's uh, let's do this. So this company is growing and it's delivering something that's amazing. Whether it's an inspiring, uh, you know, nine-year-old learning how to play for the first time, or it's a professional musician that wants to see their idols uh, in, in in you know at their peak. This is what Music Play delivers, and it's it's awesome. It's exciting. I truly have huge belief that this company is a game changer. The CEO, Alan Merville, is, is probably one of the best pianists in, in the world. He teaches at, at Berkeley School of Music. This guy has extreme passion, and his story is fantastic. Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real McKenzie's, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan, all you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632-0585. Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-632-0585 for your free online drum lesson. So how do people, is, is it active yet or is it still being built? Yeah, it's active. It's usicplay.com, Y-O-U-S-I-C-P-L-A-Y.com. And you can go and, and order a course, sign up for a course, and you can see just how awesome this is. It's, yeah. a, it's the current way that we are going to be teaching. You want to take a course by someone who's super famous and super awesome in your idol? You can now do that. That's cool. It's almost like taking Cameo to the next level, that they're not just giving you a shout out. They're actually teaching you part of their craft. You're not going to get a happy birthday. <laughs> but you might hear them play happy birthday. That should be your tag, like right there, man. I like that. There you go. I think uh, I think the board would need to review that one, though. That's good, though. I like it. Um, so another thing you're doing that I think is cool is you know obviously there's a, a big real estate thing to this podcast, and you're an investor in what's called a knock app. Talk a little bit about that. I know we touched on it a little bit. Yeah. So that um, right after I sold the company, uh, I was introduced to uh, to these guys that were putting together what I think is a game changer in the real estate market. What's always bothered me is when I was looking for apartments, it was either myself or my girlfriend, fiance, and now wife, 
and I found the apartment and then someone had to take us in to see it. And that kind of always rubbed me the wrong way because I had to pay for that. What Knock App does is it allows you to tour an apartment in major cities without a broker, without another person standing next to you, which is very relevant in, in today, in today's environment. And it allows you to just walk up contactless with your phone to gain access into the apartment and tour it and determine if you want the apartment or not. Let's face it, if you're looking at a one bedroom or a studio or a two bedroom, there's really not much sale that needs to be done there. You're looking at the boxes that V and say, okay, this one's good for me, right? So this is, is essentially a game changer. It's another way to tour apartments and to find apartments, source apartments and see apartments uh, based on technology. And the founders are some of the, if not the most intelligent people that I've ever met. Uh, we're talking about very high IQ, uh, you know, military focused backgrounds uh, that fully understand tech and security. And they've done an amazing job. And I became an early stage investor in this company just because I was impressed with every aspect of the people, the process and the product. So is that something that could be used for, you know, somebody like me or a lot of the people that are in my networks that have apartment buildings or houses all over, and, you know, now, especially like people are doing a lot of the cash flow things. They live in places like you and I live like New York, Chicago, LA, but they're investing in the Ohio's or Michigan's. Is this something that they could utilize when they have vacancies to show their single family homes or show them? And obviously, like you said, I like that you touched on the security because I think that that's one of the things is, you know, obviously being able to log and track who's coming in and who's coming out. So not only for the security of it, but for the follow-up business side of it, it sounds like there's a bunch of aspects that are already put in place for all that. Yeah, all, all of the above. This is completely contactless, keyless, and security focused uh, access into an apartment or you know, a home or you know anything that requires access. Um, and it, it's everything's trackable. Entry and exit is trackable. When I talk about security, they know who you are. You, you can't just sign up and say, okay, I'm going to go walk in this building. No, you need to take a picture of license that reads metadata to tell you if it's been altered and low to location, you took that license photo. Are you standing at the apartment? There's, there's a lot behind the scenes in the metadata that you just can't fake as, as you know, the bad actor or the, uh, the threat, you know, the, uh, the threat minded individual. That's cool. I think that that's going to have a lot of value for people in my circles. I'll definitely start, you know, getting that out there and pushing that. And obviously anybody listening, I'm going to have links in the show notes. If you're listening to this, just go into the show notes. You'll be able to click, click like to user play, right to the knock app, right to all the ways to connect with Darren. Uh, I know you're running tight on time. I appreciate everything you've been giving us. Um, I, I usually call this the victory lap. We're just kind of uh, wrap some things up. Some of the stuff you've already answered, like favorite book. Um, but do you have a favorite quote? Um. Yeah, I've got a lot of favorite quotes. Uh, it's not what you know. It's it's not who you know. It's who you know that knows what you know. That's now my new favorite one. And I'll give Chris Chanchuli the credit for that one. Awesome. I also, you know, when I started my first business, fake it till you make it. Right? Yeah. That doesn't mean lie. That just means act as if you're bigger than who you are. Because you won't get that shot unless you have the experience. But you can't get the experience unless you have that shot. That's life. Chicken and the egg, man. I, I love it. And I, I do want to give another shout out to Christian Chuli and to Sean. Um, Sean Rosenfeld, I think, is your other partner in that. I had a great conversation with him. He's a real good guy, too. So there's just good quality people in Connect. So obviously, definitely check the show notes. And I, I can highly recommend you guys getting in on that. 
Um, next question is, what advice would you give a younger you knowing what you know now about life and business? <laughs> you got five hours. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it's the same advice that I opened up with, hustle. Right? Ignore the people telling you that you can't do something because that is the fuel that, that will drive you. Everyone told me I was crazy for starting a business in 2008, worst economic time ever, you know, and at least our, uh, well, besides the last year. And I just ignored all that. Hustle. Believe in yourself and hustle and don't let people tell you you can't do something. I love that, man. And uh, finally, what's one tip you can give people to cure indecision? Make a decision. <laughs> just make a decision. Sure, you want your pros and cons list, that's great. But at some point, make a decision because time is money. If you make a decision and it turns out to be wrong, be smart enough to know when to pivot. I love that. I've been giving myself lately a 72-hour rule of, you know, I can ask other people for advice. I can do all these different things. But once day three comes around, the decision has to be made. I can't wait on anybody else anymore. At the end of the day, if people have a problem where they want to criticize that decision from the, you know, from the couch later on, it's like, you know, I gave you a few days. You didn't come up with anything, so you don't have the right to complain now because, I think that fear, a lot of people sit back and let other people make decisions. So that way, if they're wrong, oh, I didn't make the decision. You made them point blame. I have no, no tolerance or patience for that. So oh. you are not going to be able to make everybody happy. That is just fact. There are too many wavering and varying opinions out there. You can't cater to everybody. So make your decision, live with it, pivot if you need, make a decision. Beautiful, man. And, and obviously, finally, Talk about how can people find you? How can people work with you? How can they find your companies aside from the show notes? Um, what's the best way to connect with you or contact you? Sure. Uh, connects. Go to the uh, website, C-O-N-N-E-X-X.com. Sorry, getconnects, G-E-T-C-O-N-N-E-X-X.com. Um, find us there. Sign up for a meeting. Join as a guest for, for a few meetings and see what we're about. Um, LinkedIn always works. And, uh, and Google, the good old Google. <laughs> awesome and through through linkedin and through connects they'd be able to to find like music play and find uh d.mass and all that stuff absolutely okay cool awesome and uh, again i came in as a guest for a, a free preview meeting and that's where I, I really got hooked in with the connects and got to experience a meeting so if you've been to other things before i highly recommend taking them up on that get in try a meeting and see what it's all about and i think you're going to be pleasantly surprised with the refreshing differences that they have, even the stuff you do with the Zoom meetings and the breakouts, it's, it's all very unique. And I think it's very relevant and it keeps everybody engaged. So it's not the kind of thing where you go in and everybody's just kind of got their camera up and doing other things. It's, it's, it's very different. I think that's why it's effective. So I love what you guys are doing there. I appreciate you being on today, man. I know I took up a little bit more time than I asked you for, but you've been very generous with it. I got a lot of value out of this. I love talking to you. And uh, any final thoughts before I let you go? No, I, I appreciate you having me on. I, uh, I love the podcast. You're a great host, and I like how you keep the conversation moving forward. Thanks, so, man. We, we well done. Talk to so I appreciate you coming on and sharing your experiences. You obviously bring your A game to everything you do. You fit the podcast perfect. I will send you a, a, a rough draft of this so you can give everything the thumbs up, and I'll definitely be pushing connects and pushing uh, the knock app and getting it out there. And I look forward to connecting with you soon, Darren. Awesome. Mass, thank you very much. Be well. Be well.